This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is the birthday boy. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Dave Sean. Oster, and hello, everybody. He's going to post on Dave's birthday. So in the comments below, shoot uh, a David an HBD out in those comments. If you're listening on iTunes, you could shoot, uh, I think, an HBD in comments. Are there comments on iTunes? You know, I haven't been to iTunes in a while. I just get the podcast automatically shot to my phone. I, I'm on Spotify, so I have no idea. But if you are on iTunes, if you're if you're still listening on there, give us five stars on iTunes. We really appreciate it. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, you can definitely shoot comments over there. Yeah. Definitely shoot an HBD to Dave. Thanks for downloading us. And then also, check out Patreon.com. We just got Christian joining the family over there. Now we got three people at that $10 tier. So we got three patrons given their thoughts on our podcast. Patrick just joined Ricky and Brandon for some yeah. baseball talk. So check that out on the YouTube page. But let's jump into some soggy shooters. Let's get into wet boys. <laughs> this is our fourth week this doing is, wet this boys. This is week four. And we already have a repeat wet boy. Chris Stapps Porzingis has been absolutely on fire. Dave, talk about your boy. Yeah, I mean, can you blame me? I mean, in those in the three games he has played this week, he's averaging 35 points, seven boards, and uh, get this, get this, four blocks. Jesus Christ. Four blocks. I mean, he's he's been a monster. He is the reason why, you know, the Knicks were like, are we taking this here? He's like, no, nah, we're not tanking. And the cool I'm just thing, going right to the top. The cool thing is they're 3-0. They're, yeah. They're 3-0 in those games. He is out right now with an elbow injury, so hopefully he can heal up and be yeah, all right. I, I'm hoping it's minor. It's, it's nothing to be too concerned about. I think the whole talk is that there's going to be surgery on it during the offseason, but yeah. he can play through it right now. My wet boy, also 3-0 this week and had a ridiculous stat line, at least starting November. He is 3-0 with his team. Mm-hmm. James Harden, 38.7 points per game, 11 assists, 3 rebounds, also averaging a steal per game. And the cool thing about him, a plus-minus average of 21.7. I like that one game, he though. That uh, one game. The one game, and the, game. The last game that was finished. Right now, they're currently taking on the Cavs, but the one that was finished, he went 19 to 25 from the field, 7 to 8 from 3, 11 from 12 from the line, 13 uh, assists, 2 steals, and then obviously 30. Or, I'm sorry, not 35 points, 56 points. 56 points. James Harden popping off for 56. So, Kristaps Rosing gets the first ever repeat web boy time? on here, and then James Harden getting his first honor of the week. Let us know in the comments down below who your wet boy of the week is. But anyways, let's move on now to the Boston Celtics and whether they are better without Isaiah Thomas. Obviously starting the season 0-2, but losing two good teams in Cleveland and Milwaukee and now winners of 10 straight. What's been going right for the Boston Celtics out there, Dave? Honestly, it's unselfish play and defense. I mean, they've lost a lot of guys even during the season, before the season, doesn't matter. It's just next man up and there's a lot of younger guys who are stepping up. And you also look at Kyrie Irving, their big you know, you know, acquisition. I mean, obviously they lost Gordon Hayward, they brought him yeah. in, but Kyrie Irving was that big fish out there, and he has not only been great offensively, scoring 22.5 points over that 10-game stretch, he's also averaging two steals a game. He's really stepped up his defense out there. Yeah. What has Kyrie meant to this team, at least what you have seen on the court? It's almost, it's almost weird, because I didn't expect him to come in as a leader of the team this early mm-hmm. on, but he really is cementing a play style and effort level and kind of setting the bar for other players, which has been fantastic because it's beyond my expectations. And I think, honestly, it, it came to a shock to a lot of people. But with him setting the bar so high, you see other guys want to play up to his level. And when he's not on the court, doesn't drop off because you have defensive leaders like Marcus Smart out there, who he is probably one of the longest tenured Celtics at this point. Yeah, I think, and, I think probably the longest. And, and he's killing it for yeah. him. And it's just... 
because I because Isaiah was gone, they needed a leader. Kyrie stepped in. There was a question: Well, is he really going to be a leader because of you know LeBron was always the guy? Not even a question anymore. Ten well, games in season, I've written it off. Not worried. And do you think this has been something that you know he kind of picked up during the off season of being a leader? Because obviously he was alone to start his career in Cleveland, had to be a leader of that team. It was a terrible team, but still yeah. had to be a leader in ways. He was a, a leader in Duke when he was a freshman there. Do you think that that experience is still carried over? And do you think he was somewhat of a leader on the Cavs, or do you think it's more of a different feel now that he is with Boston? I think it's very much a different feel um, mm-hmm. because now it's it's what he says goes. And I think, honestly, his career up to this point has built him to be the way he is. He got to learn under LeBron James. And I don't want to be like LeBron was like, you know, his sensei, and he's like, no, yeah. this is exactly how you do this. LeBron's not perfect. He Kyrie is not right. the way he is because of LeBron is what you're saying. No, I'm saying that he's helped him get to where he is now. Because yeah, but I'm not saying like everything that Kyrie is is because of LeBron. No, no, like, no. Like no LeBron's means. obviously helped. I'm not saying that yeah. LeBron hasn't helped Kyrie <laughs> at all. But you know, this is this yeah. has been in. This Kyrie. is a lot of Kyrie. I think he learned some do's and don'ts from LeBron mm-hmm. and the way the team and the locker room reacted to uh, some public statements, some not so public statements. So I feel like the way he's gotten this team to regroup and and honestly. They, they are following him, they follow his lead, and he brings a different level of intensity to their team. And looking at Kyrie, and, and obviously just going away, a little bit away from him, because he's been fantastic out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's, you can't he's, really fault him. He's been distributing the ball out there, he's been scoring. I mean, there was a play yesterday where he just, you know, went interweaved oh my between, God. like, I don't know, like five, I mean, pretty much probably all five the entire uh, Lakers, Lakers team, and yeah. then just slid by Brook and, and tossed one off the glass. He's been fantastic out there, and obviously he was worth those draft picks and, and worth moving Jay Crowder over, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along with uh, Zizek and, all, and, and Isaiah Thomas. Um, but at least looking at the Celtics, do you think that they're better this year compared to last year without Isaiah Thomas? Because that's the big question that we're asking. This it's hard to say uh, this early in the season because the big question is, you know, the regular season games, well, they don't count for a ton. They, they mm. definitely set the benchmark for the team. Will this team have a higher win-loss than last year? I honestly think regular season, yeah. And that's bizarre to me to say. The question is, when the playoffs happen, will they be resilient enough to take it to a series? And we've got a long way to go to find out. But for the now... This is a better team. This is a more balanced team. And this is a team that we're going to get to watch grow, which is even more impressive because the the level of youth that is actually hitting the court and playing is it's crazy because you've, you've seen coaches over the past who are maybe a little res- against putting rookies in or even second-year players. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll we've work seen their Tim way that'll be that way. I mean, yeah, Tim we've seen very uh, Stan Van mm-hmm. the same way. And it's just... This is Brad Stevens being like, no, these are guys. We trust them. We know when to put them in games. We know when to put them in the right situations. And it's paid off for them across the board. Yeah, I got to give a huge shout out to, I mean, the Boston Celtics organization. Because, you know, I I was crapping on Danny Ainge for not making a move. That he was always waiting for the right move to make. And I'll give him all the credit in the world for going out and getting Kyrie Irving. And also, you know, moving back to get his guy and Jason Tatum. When they said that, I was... I thought it was complete bullshit. Oh, yeah. It was I, like... I remember calling him out in the podcast, being like, <laughs> yeah. no, you weren't. Like, this is not a move that you wanted to make. You thought Markel Fultz was the best player. Markel Fultz went in and uh, Markel Fultz would have came in and filled that Isaiah Thomas role, especially when he left down in the future. You didn't want, you know, Jason yeah. Tatum. You thought it was a good move for you. I, I'm, there's, there's a reason why I'm out of GM. Oh, and, yeah. And a huge I mean, hindsight 2020, this has been phenomenal. Yeah. And, and, I think and it's not really J- Jason Tatum exactly, but I think it's Jason Tatum's fit in Boston is the thing. Exactly. It, he's ahead of the curve. It's mm-hmm. a league that is going towards a bunch of oversized wings. And I think I was I heard it from like ESPN or something the other night, and it was, uh, you know, the Warriors have the most guys who are like above 6'5". Basically, it's it, in the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. It was like the Warriors oh, okay. are one, the Bucks are like three, and 
Um, the Celtics actually had them had a very good, strong number of wings. And that's the thing is you're going to a positionless NBA. You have players like Jalen Brown, who last year at this time looked like he barely, you know, deserved to be on the court. And the amount of growth that he had throughout the year and then in the playoffs, and now this year, like, he is he's legit. He's playing 32 minutes. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Brown's been, you know, great out there. And, and one thing, you know, obviously he's, he's he hasn't really found the, you know, everything yet. He's still pretty raw oh, as yeah, a scorer. I mean, really on, still under 22. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, but the thing is he doesn't look lost out there. Right. He's, not, he's not perfect out there. It's not no, like... his handles have it, improved a million if, times. If he wasn't like, on this Boston Celtics team, I don't think we'd be talking as high as, as we are right now of him. But it, it's the way that I think, you know, Danny Ainge has built this team and then also yeah. how, you know, Brad Stevens has coached this team. And, yeah. and when you look at it from top to bottom, I said Boston Celtics probably have the best organization besides the Golden State Warriors, yeah. at least with building and structure and the way that they've brought everything together. And the only reason why I put Boston underneath Golden State is because Golden State has had the results right now. They got the rings. I mean, the yeah. Celtics, they're trying to build that dynasty. You see all the picks. You see all oh, everything yeah. that they've accumulated, all these all these assets. I mean, obviously, right now, the Golden State Warriors look unbeatable, at least you know down the road with <laughs> Steph, Clay, Draymond, yeah. and Durant. But you look at Boston, and they have really primed themselves to be the contender in the East, at least in, in, in a few years. And, and looking at Boston, and this is the question I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. do you think that they have enough to do it this year to get it done, to, to overcome the Bucks, to overcome the Cavs, to overcome the Raptors and, and get the to the Wizards finals? And everybody or, else, yeah. or do you think that this is just, you know... No, right now it's, this it's is not fool's gold. Season. This is not fool's gold. This is, this is, you should buy in on this team. Because even with the injuries, because I mean, even though Jason Tatum, he was Jason, down, he's fine. Yeah, he was and negative. Horford, this is Horford. a less severe concussion than last year, where which caused him to miss a lot of time. Hayward. Hayward, I mean, obviously tragic injury. But banged up. So, I mean, are you yeah. a little worried about that, or you think they're going to be fine? I mean, I'm worried, yes, but I think in the long run, throughout the season, it's not going to be a problem. Like I said, I'm a little concerned for the series in the playoffs. Like, once you get to go in a seven-game series... You find every weakness about a team. You game plan for them. You learn things in and out, night after night, and you can shut things down. Um, and that's where it comes to how well can their depth step up. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen Terry Rozier has played really well to start this year. Marcus Smart, again, an excellent job this year. It's just I, nothing but good because they've been playing so well. The big question for me is they didn't really get a solution to their biggest problem last year, which was getting boards. Yep. And that's where they're going to get dominated. And we've seen with the emergence from the Raptors of Alan Chunas gain more playing time and taking over being dominated against the boards. The, the big concern is matchup-wise, if they go up against a team like the Raptors, I think that could be a problem for them. But if they go up against a team like the Cavaliers even, who don't have a dominant big... You know, you got Fat K Love out there, but like, that's we don't know if that's going to show up yeah. every night for them. But then you also got LeBron James. You want to toss oh, up LeBron no. James? I, I, He's good for seven seven rebounds every night. Yeah, but the the great thing is, but, so is Jay Taste, so is Jalen Brown. But you know? the one thing I want to mention about Boston is obviously the defense. We mentioned that earlier. Yes. Right now they're the best defensive team in the league. Yeah. And you bring up rebounds. I completely agree with you because you at least look at the single players on those teams, and I don't see a great rebounder on there. Right. But the whole thing about the Boston Celtics is they are a team, and right mm-hmm. now they're fifth in the league in rebounding, and they have a plus-five differential when it comes to rebounds. So they're yeah. being able to dominate the boards so far if they're able to keep up. I think that success is real. However, if they're not able to keep it up, and we see the playoffs, and we see that rebounding number go down, and obviously the the, the, the points are going to go up, You know what they're letting up, but still defensively, yeah. this team looks stacked. I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to keep the pace that they're currently going on. I mean, you look at the, the past couple wins, I think out of t- uh, four of the ten have been only single digits. The, the other ones have been you know double-digit blowouts. Yeah. Um, so I think, obviously, once we get away from the regular season, 
I think that the flaws, at least rebounding, will show. But right now, I think a huge part of why they're winning is because they've been able to dominate the boards and they've been able to win the boards. So I think I agree with you that it's not um, anything that is unwarranted. I don't mm -hmm. think this is you know fool's gold like you said. Um, but I think there are 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 you know I, you know holes in the armor where they could yeah. get through. And, and obviously down the road, if injuries persist or you know if no one steps up as a big rebounder, this is what can really well, that's, you know, that's damage. my question for you. What can they do for the rest of this regular season to make you feel better going into the playoffs? I think obviously stay healthy is oh. one thing. Yeah, and that's probably the <laughs> only thing that I would say because the talent's there. I mean, you're not going to get Gordon Hayward back. And looking at the talent currently out there, Al Horford has been great. Uh, Kyrie Irving's been great, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have been great. They can obviously improve, but they're mm -hmm. still young and they will improve. And then you still look at Marcus Smart. He's a you know a, a back back there. He's a stalwart on def defense. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned Terry Rozier. He's been good. Um, so I think really as long as they stay healthy, I think they'll be fine. It's just really once they get to the playoffs, will this leadership continue? Who's going to be that leader? And then will the Gordon Hayward injury be that big of a kick in the ass? Because when you're going up against Cleveland, you you know, having Gordon Hayward is going to yeah. give you that extra edge. Going up against Milwaukee, having Gordon Hayward will give you that extra edge. But if you're looking at at least the landscape in the East, would you put Boston at one right now? Yeah, it's hard to go away from Boston. It's the hottest team in the league for a reason, mm -hmm. and it's not fluky. That's yeah. that's the scary thing. Yeah. It's not one of these like one-point wins, shit just goes in, you know? Well, they're not the Magic. No, because right Shots now, the fired. now the now the Magic are losing to the Bulls. We make a whole <laughs> video about them, and now they make us look stupid. And this is why you don't trust the Orlando Magic and Nikola Vucevic. But anyways, let us know what you think about the Celtics down below. Dave and I don't think that this is anything you know. Un, uh, I don't know any words today. Um, <laughs> unflappable is that unflappable? I'll take unflappable. It, I don't think there's anything that's unflappable. I don't think there's anything. This they is will not, not a, be flat. This is not a mirage. This is not a mirage uh, for the Boston Celtics. I think this is a team. Obviously, coming into a. I don't think they're never going to lose again. But I think this is. You yeah, know. they're not going to be you know going seventy two. <laughs> but um, at least looking at the Celtics, you know, I, I think this is something that is for sure. We talked about it early on in the season, but yeah. getting this kind of results early is very shocking for the Celtics. I don't think they're better with Isaiah Thomas. I just think that you have Brad Stevens still. I think that was the reason. That was the magic with the whole Boston yeah. Celtics. But let us know what you think down in the comments below. But let's get into the next topic, and we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder and if we should be worried about them. Russ saying it's not time to panic. He oh. said it's early on in the season. He said we'll be better, so I'm not worried. So Russ saying that they should be fine, obviously making the trades for Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. Haven't really yielded that many results right now. I think three straight losses for the Thunder right now, and they currently have a 4-6 and six record. So should we be worried about the Oklahoma City Thunder? No, no, and I'm, I'm going to say this being the cockiest day if I can be. Uh, I told you so. I told you this team would struggle early on. And well, did anyone say that they weren't? I, I think some people were... were Bought into their first couple of wins. See, I wasn't Maybe. here for the mellow trade. All right. I, you, I was away. I think it was right. at Riot Fest. I yeah. wasn't here. I wasn't able to talk to you guys about it, so I don't remember Fair. what you and Ricky whatever, said. Whatever, whatever. You didn't hear it. But I did I did say it because I, I was afraid of how this team would work together with those three on the court at the same time. Mm. Like, it's a different dynamic than bringing together a big three of, you know, LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. It's, it's different than putting together big threes that already existed. They also didn't work together, though. Oh, yeah. Remember the start the start of that. I mean, they had to call in Spolstra. Everyone thought Spolstra was going to fire. I mean, they're like, oh, everyone, you have all of these three, you know, huge stars, and it's not working for right. Spolstra. Bring in Pat Riley to coach the team, <laughs> and then you just needed time. So you're just saying you need a little bit of time. Uh, you need you need a little time. Let it simmer. Let, let it build together. Because look, the the big complaint right now, I think, is the offense is not gelling together. Correct. You mm. know, the way they want to, it's stagnant. I've seen out there. Uh, honestly, it's just the fact that they need to learn 
when each one is feeling it and feed that guy because you know it's I almost want to be like what worked for you when you played together last it was the it was the Olympics and it was very much a relaxed game it's a different game like the Olympics hoodie mellow all that fun stuff is fun regular season different game playoffs yeah. totally different game so they've got to put it together and seriously consider like all right tonight who's feeling it so far this season it has been Paul George not on a consistent basis. He has been the odd man out. Mello's looked rejuvenated, which is awesome. Yep. Russ, at times, has looked like himself last year. At times, has looked like his bad self from the KD days when he was getting a little greedy, mm-hmm. uh, I'll say. Um, but the problem is, is outside of those three, how does the team function? How do you do substitutions? How do you balance that team and that bench and make sure that they don't go negative 10 in 14 minutes, well, you know? Like, and the one thing I want to bring up, at least with Russ, and I think yeah. this is something that he's got to learn with, and, and you mentioned it, it's kind of, I don't want to say selfishness, but it's at least distributing the ball. Mm-hmm. You look at, in his wins, he has 55 assists. You look in his losses, and there's more losses than wins, so I mean, they played four more games where they've won and, and six more games where they've lost. Yeah. 55 assists in the wins, and then uh, 54 assists in losses. So in so two he, additional games, he got negative one assist. Yes, negative one assist. So it's just <laughs> something that he's got to pass the ball more. You also look at the usage ratings in those games. Mm-hmm. 29.7% in those wins, 33 in the losses. So Thank you can just you. tell yeah. that it's, it's... I'm not saying it's all on Russ, but I think it's just more of a growing period for at yeah. least Russ there. But I'm still a little bit worried because you look at their you know losses... Five of them. They're 0-5 against the Western Conference. That includes Ooh. the Kings. So that's something that does worry me because even though the, you know there's need to be a gelling here, mm. they're not stepping up at the right time. Great. You went 4-1 and one against the Eastern Conference. <laughs> You're not playing them in the first three rounds of the playoffs. You get a gold sticker for that one. That's something that worries me. And I think that's something that you know obviously is going to take time, and playoffs are a long way yeah. away. There are only 10 games in the season. you still got 72 left. But it's something that worries me because if you're not able to gain that confidence, quick enough, we know that Carmelo can be a guy that's super toxic in, in the locker room. We know that Paul George was hmm. pretty toxic back in Indiana, and if he gets to that Publicly, point, yeah. if he gets to that point where you know he's like, oh, fuck it, I'm done with this team, like, we're, we're, we're not going to be good. Like, I catch you in L.A. I'm leaving, yeah, yeah, catch you in L.A. And Russ, I mean, even though he has re-signed, he is a guy that's saying, this is my team, and, and if he wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands, they're paying him money for the next five years, so right. Russ is going to get those what he wants, and Russ is going to be catered to his needs, so I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I'm saying that is something that I could see happening in the long run, and that's how I could see you know worrying setting in. I don't think it's you should be worrying right now, because again, it's only 10 games, yeah. but I feel like at some point, there's got to be a turnaround. I feel like it's got to be on Russ's shoulders to at least say, hey, I need to pass the ball more. I need to get these guys at least into you know the, the game plan a little bit more. Yeah, I think, you, I think you nailed it, and the question there is because Russ feels like it's on his shoulders, he does the opposite of what you expect him to. He puts it on his shoulders, and he keeps the ball in his hands. He feels like mm-hmm. he needs to play hero ball more so than, you know, get the ball spread around, make sure everybody's involved, and make sure that you have a balanced plan of attack. Make sure that everybody's involved and engaged in the game because otherwise you get people taking plays off on defense. You see, like, repercussions of that on both sides of the court. So yeah. when you have people who aren't involved, they're going to take plays off. They're going to not care as much, and they're going to feel demotivated. Like, it's just a matter of making sure that he is... The, the floor commander that he needs to be. And, I mean, if he dragged a trash team last year to the playoffs, yeah, like, there this. is no excuse that this team cannot grow over this year and make it in the playoffs. Well, and at least with the usage across the board, I mean, when you look at in their wins, 29 usage for Melo, 27 for Paul George, and I think 29 for Russ as well. Right. So, I mean, those are pretty even out 
when you look at the usage ratings. And I feel like yeah. once you get those guys combined and together, that is at least, you know, going to at least yield in, in positive results. At least looking out on the floor, though, in the first 10 games, what have you liked from those three out on the floor? And, and, and do you think that there is enough there to be positive about what we've seen so far? I mean, the, the easy takeaway is Russ is still putting up close to triple-double numbers on a mm-hmm. stat sheet. I mean, that doesn't really display what he's doing on the floor, it but it's not. Mean shit. Right. I mean, why are we saying triple-double is good all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, Melo's at least back to giving a fuck, which is amazing because... Watching Melo like wear away in New York and just he was a shell of himself at the end. He didn't care, and it's been hilarious to watch their turnaround and positiveness without him there. Him and OKC to start the season, loving it. Like he mm-hmm. is back. He is all in, and he's actually playing really, really high level basketball. The big question to me is uh, back to Paul George. I don't understand like his lack of a fit on this team. We talked about how much of an excellent catch and shoot player he was and his time in, in Indiana, but so far this season, not been as successful. I, I don't know if it's like he needs to get in his groove before he gets there. Maybe it's maybe maybe I'm just guessing in the dark. Well, but. really, I mean, the, the stats pretty much tell the thing. Again, yeah. in, in losses, he's shooting 33% from the field. In wins, he's shooting he's shooting 33% from three. In wins, he's shooting 48% from three. He's, he's scoring 19 points a game. Yeah. It's really just about getting these guys involved and I think one thing that they've gone away from at least too much is you look at the wins Russ is averaging a triple double and you we saw the really the magic and the secret sauce mm-hmm. last year it was Russ grabs the rebounds let's push and transition yeah. I feel like that was working for them and I feel like when they go away from that a little bit Russ tries to play hero ball or you know Paul George starts it and, and tries to lead the, fa- the the transition in the fast break offense that's not working for them. When Melo tries to do it, it's not working yeah. for them. I feel like Russ needs to be that catalyst, and he needs to be smart with his decision-making a little bit more. And now I'm looking a little bit at Billy Donovan, not saying he should be fired or anything, but it's something that I do look at him and saying, hey, this is when you step in and say, hey, this is what we need to <laughs> fucking do. And right now, uh, at least a little bit later, we're recording this on Thursday, they're going to be taking on the Nuggets, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do in that game and how they do push forward. But then again, that's only one game. There's 71 games after that, and they got to keep this a little bit more consistent. So looking at it, just you know, final thoughts um, on this. Looking at playoffs, are you a little bit more weary to at least push the thunder a little deeper is this is this wavering your your confidence or like you said earlier is this just what you expect and you feel like this team will get is too much talent really to be written off? too much talent to fail too big to fail um but the there's no bench it, it's gonna take time for them to find their way to transition people in and out of the in and out of the lineup that's the biggest problem in my mind right now is mixing up you know if george is off is Westbrook and Melo going to be out there? How do you mm-hmm. run offensive sets with one of their big three missing? They don't have that figured out yet. If they do go for a trade, because we've seen Sam Presti ball out on, on trade deadlines, we've seen him just ball out in general, Yeah. what is this piece that the team needs? Because obviously they got rid of Cantor. He's no longer on the team, right. and, and that was a big part of their success last year. There's I think not a lot of bench need, scoring. I think they need a combo guard, somebody who is comfortable yeah. distributing the ball. Um, the problem is those usually don't come super cheap. Uh, you might be able to get somebody like, honestly, if Detroit bombs out this year, if you can get Ish for a deal, mm-hmm. he's like one of the best backup point guards in the league. I think that would be amazing for them. The problem is they've used so much of their capital to get these guys in. I don't know what they can get back value-wise. So there, there are some names out there for backup point guards. You don't have one right now. You have, you have Ray Felton. Like, yeah. No, just no. You need to get a combo guard. You need to get somebody who can come off, come off that bench 
and let Russ take a breather and continue that offensive continuity. We're calling you out, Raymond Felton. You and Sean May are bums. Oh. Fucking bums, 2005 Tar Heels. I hate Sean May because of that. I, like, for real. Yeah. Like, D. Brown was my favorite player. Those high white socks, I oh, rocked those. And yep. I looked super stupid in my basement shooting <laughs> at a little tyke's uh, basketball hoop trying to be D. Brown. I will be the first one to admit that. But I, I agree with you. I think that the one thing they do need um, is scoring off this bench because I think you, you see, you know, they, they drafted Tony uh, Terrence Ferguson. Um, I was going to say Tony Ferguson. He's a USC <laughs> fighter. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, and, and he's been slow right now. You can tell he's a rookie. He, he has the ability to score, but, I mean, asking that much from a rookie, I know that yeah. Boston's doing that right now, and we talked about them a little bit earlier, but that's different. They're being put into the situation to succeed where you can't really push it on a turn, uh, Terrence Ferguson to be like, hey, you now need to be our you know one of our secondary scorers, and I don't see a secondary scorer on that bench. You have three great scorers, and then I wonder, at least talk about the lineups, maybe you do switch it around, but you're not going to be able to put Carmelo or Paul George the problem on is the if, bench. If two of them on the bench at the same time, then you're just Fucked. But like, if those are two you, are Paul George and Carmelo, I trust Ross, weirdly enough, because we, he showed us last year they could do if that. If Ross is not out there, that, that turns into the question of yeah. how does this team work? And that's why I think I agree with you when you need a combo guard. Yeah. You at least need a, a, I mean, a backup point guard. I mean, a true point would be guard. great, but like, yeah. I, I, I'm leaning towards combo because of their budget. No, I, I agree with you. I think you need someone back there to be a backup. And like, if Drew Holiday wasn't exactly you know needed right now, if, if, if he was on a worse team, I feel like Drew Holiday would be the guy <laughs> to back him up. Or possibly Darren Collison. I would, I would, I would like to see Collinson moved over there because we've seen him be very effective and, and I don't know exactly what pa- the Pacers would want from if they're able to hawk up you know a couple draft picks I mean to they get already Collinson. got a connection going already so you might as well just keep, keep on that alley maybe they bring back Depot oh. he's a combo guard yeah let us know what you think about the Oklahoma City Thunder down in the comments below who if they should trade for anybody who should they trade for yep. and also just look at him are you worried about the Oklahoma City Thunder is it just too much talent on one team, kind of what my worries about the Cleveland Cavaliers was with you got a lot of talent, but it's not cohesive talent. Right. Do you think that that is a problem with the Oklahoma City Thunder, or is it just 10 games too early to tell? Um, I feel like it's 10, to, 10 games too early, but I feel like there are some weaknesses in this this team. Clearly. Dave is just saying that it's too early to call whether there is a weakness or not, but let us know what you think down in the comments below. But let's move on now to Los Angeles, where we're going to be talking about Julius Randle and his contract situation and looking at it next year, they do have a team option that they can pick up for him. But then after that, he is a restricted free agent where he can test the market. They can match those offers, though. But the talk is, should they trade him? Because back in October, they passed the deadline where he could sign an extension. They went their separate ways. There was cordial conversations, according to Ramon Shelberg, but everyone understands the cap issues that are, are there. Obviously, Brooke Lopez, they want to keep some cap in case LeBron wants to come Two over. Two max contract. Yeah, possibly Paul George as well. So they went away from that, and they can also uh, receive a quality offer, like I said, 2018-2019, then also sign an extension next summer. So there are still some moves there for Julius Randle to be kept in Los Angeles, but... Obviously, the talk about two max contracts. You also mm-hmm. look at Kyle Kuzma, who plays his position, looking real good. Larry yeah. Nance, who just got injured, unfortunately, for, for I believe six to eight weeks, um, also has looked nice playing his position mm-hmm. as well. So now the talk is they have some value in Julius Randle. Should they be trading him, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it, it's an awkward position to be in because you have the, are you afraid to let him walk at the end of the year and lose nothing? And, like, you don't get anything back for what was a very high draft pick. Was he, like, seven or nine? Seven. Seven overall. I mean... Yeah, he hasn't worked out phenomenally for you right now, but to be fair, like the teams he was on weren't exactly meant to succeed either. Yeah. So it's it's a lot about usage and how that was going to come together. Like he has the physical skill 
to be in the NBA, to be legit. What? He Are you giving in, him credit? I, mm, I'm going to regret you're this. you're giving Julius Randle credit. I, I'm giving Julius Randle credit. He has credit. talent? I thought he was a talent, talentless hack, according to you. He's a bum. No. Uh, he, he has been motivated. Like, there's a difference between motivated Julius Randle and the one we've seen for the majority of his career, in my belief. Mm-hmm. Like, this year, basically, he got pushed to the back seat because Nance and Kuzma yep. have looked really good. Nance, that starting lineup. You can't play Nance and Randle together. That's bad. We watched it last year. That just that does not work for them offensively or defensively. But when you have Kuzma and Randle out there, you hit a weird groove with Randle playing like the Tristan Thompson kind of a undersized center role for small ball. And he's going out there. He's being aggressive. He's coming yep. off the bench. And he's doing everything right, right now. So the question is like, hey, his stock is high. If we're really all in on the two max contract free agents this upcoming year, should we see what the, what's out there for him? No, I completely agree. And, and, and looking at Randall, I, I agree with your assessment that he does have talent. I, I love Julius Randall. I, yeah. I think that he is, is a guy fit for this NBA. You also mentioned the Tristan Thompson comparison. I agree with you, but I feel like he's a little bit more polished as a scorer. Um, at least I think he's got better moves down low than I think TT. he could be more versatile, too. Like. That's the thing. He's not a great shooter, and that, that's one thing. Yeah. That, that's a knock on him. But he is very qu- he's very quick. I mean, this is a guy that is more of a bowling ball compared to TT, who's mm-hmm. probably more a little bit lengthy and a little more athletic. But he's a guy that can put a body on somebody. And, and he always reminded me, in some ways, of Draymond Green, at least the way he's built. Um, definitely completely different players, um, but at least the way that they're built, I, I see defensive upside to him, at least with mm-hmm. his size, with his with his wingspan, with his athleticism. I see the defensive um, prowess in him, but I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. He just seems motivated out there and coming off the bench and pairing with Kuzma, with you know Kuzma's ability to stretch the floor, yeah. and then Randall coming in and, and being down low. Um, you also see the uptick in, in, his, in his field goal percentage. He's being able to get high percentage shots. He's been able to capitalize on those. And I really like what Julius Randle brings to this team, but I think you know I agree with you in the fact that they probably should trade him because he is having his best moments right now. And you have Kyle Kuzma and Larry Nance who already fit that role and will be cheaper down the, down the line because you look at Larry Nance, and the thing is, I mean, we talked about this. You said that they should be starting Nance over Randle this year yep. anyways. Called it. But the one thing that at least, you know, uh, that... Randall has and, and and Nance and Kuzma don't have is that they were both second round draft picks mm-hmm. where Randall is expecting to be hey I'm a first round draft pick I deserve money you had the faith in me I haven't really been able to prove myself so I deserve a bigger contract you have the what if with right. Julius Randall where you can probably make the argument that what you're seeing from Randall right now I'm sorry what you're seeing from Larry Nance right now is what you're going to get out of Larry Nance you know five years down the road but you're getting from Kyle Kuzma right now what well, you know, albeit ridiculous, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to get. Probably the Malcolm Brogdon of this class, if we're, if we're giving out the Malcolm Brogdon Probably. award or, or early. Yeah. Um, but with Randall, there is that potential that you could sell, and that's why I would probably say it would be smart to move him if you are looking to at least move. Like, if, if you're not going to re-sign him, then mm-hmm. definitely move him as soon as possible because his stock won't be higher. Yeah, I mean, the, the question there is, you know, if you truly believe that this is, if the Lakers believe, I should say, if the Lakers believe this is the cap of what Randall is worth, yeah, I, I agree with you. The question is, is are how all in are they on this two max contract uh, for 2018 free agency? Like, this is really going to be a test of Magic's prowess as the owner, as the, as the shot caller for this organization. And I honestly, I'm on the fence even. I'm like. I don't know. I mean, you got a couple of young kids out there who look like they're starting to play together a little bit. I like to see where this goes. But at the same time, are you going to throw away a chance at getting a LeBron James and Paul George combo? Maybe in the like Boogie Cousins. Like there, there's 
There are names out there. There are, there's a reason this is Some a juicy names. Potential, but like, are you gonna throw away potential youth time for getting LeBron? You know, I know he's no longer peak at thirty. He, he'll be thirty six. Shut up, LeBron's still on his peak. He's still peak. LeBron. LeBron will never not peak. LeBron's gonna be thirty three. Oh, he's only 33. Okay, yeah, he's so by the end of his Remember contract, he he'd be 36 like, or 37. Uh, if it's a four-year deal, it'd be 37. Yeah. But it's LeBron James. I mean, this kid came in. Kid? Came, he came in this as a, kid. He came in as a newborown. Yeah. yeah. And now he's, he's been, been in the league for, he'll, he'll be in the league for like 25 years. Yeah, no, he's, no he's ridiculous. So I the mean, question is, like, how, how, new, how, how all in are the Lakers towards that plan? Have they seen enough? Like, honestly, after watching, you know, let's go over Action City, you know, Lonzo Ball for the first 10 games. Definitely has skill out there. Can't shoot the ball. But, you know, are you comfortable with having him be on a team with excellent well, players? Is he the like, guy? And does he have the mentality to be in L.A.? I mean, is Brandon Ingram the guy? Yeah. and Is Kyle Kuzma the guy? And, and, and looking at it, I mean, I think let's talk about the, let's just go on the max contract because, again, yeah. you have to develop, like, who is the guy and who will be the guy because right now LeBron James is the guy in the NBA. Absolutely. And if that guy is available... It'd be stupid not to at least entertain an offer mm-hmm. out there. And you mentioned looking at the guy. I mean, if there's anyone so far that's proven me, like, throughout their Laker career, <laughs> they can be the guy. It's fucking Kyle Kuzma, the <laughs> second-round draft pick who's looked unreal. No, no, no I late mean, one. Late one. A late one, I forgot. Yeah. They, yeah, my bad. Uh, they <laughs> traded up for him. I forgot. Um, but at least, you know, he's been the guy that I look at and I'm like, holy shit, he looks really good. He Where just drops Lonzo, it. I know he's very young. I mean, he's, he's in, and yeah. I think uh, Bender's still younger than him. But still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's not 20 yet, I'm pretty sure Lonzo is. He's right around there. I think he's younger than me. Um, but looking at him, I mean, he he's just looks mentally weak out there. His shot has always looked like trash. He's not going to yeah. fix it. Um, you don't really know if he can be that leader out there. Um, he still has the passing ability, but is he quick enough to be in this NBA? Um, you look at Ingram. I mean, last year was just really bad. He still has Fire. He still has potential, <laughs> but then again. He's looked good this year. Yeah, but then again, like, how much is that due to Lonzo? And if you're getting rid of Lonzo, then what is Brandon Ingram? And is Brandon Ingram his own player, or is he being you know, brought up right. by right now the Lakers at 5 and 6? So, so what, I guess at the end of the day, comes down to your question of do you believe in Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, more than and, 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 and Randall and Randall and Nance and Nance as your core Jordan Clarkson Clarkson give or take who cares <laughs> uh no I love him but as your core or do you go all in and hope that you can land a LeBron James uh Boogie a Paul George and you know you need two out of three basically to compete against OKC if you don't land two out of three you let someone like Julius Randle, who we haven't seen peak yet, yep. walk away for free. Well, and he's super young too, and that's the thing that yep. I, I look at him and I don't know, I don't know exactly because I don't want to let a you know a 22 year old about to be a 23 year old you know walk out that door, and and you're gonna get value for him because you're gonna trade him. I don't think Magic is that dumb to you know, let him walk away, not uh-huh. getting any value there. But they could play at risk and go to the end of the year and be like, all right. Here's our intentions, and I mean, if, well, they, if still they, miss for, on, they still have them. They could still pick up that club option. Yeah, this but year. it's and it's that's only for five point five, mm. so that's not a lot. Um, I feel like it, it, they're going to be smart enough and at least pick them up for the five point five and try to dish them out. Um, and you're still going to be able to get some value. You might be not be able to get the right value for him, but um, again, I, I look at it, all of it, and I hate you know going away from a rebuild and, and bringing in you know value, but also you're usually not going away from a rebuild to bring in the best player in the NBA. But then again, you look at it, it's like you're getting four years of LeBron. Is he going to stay after that contract? And then also, what is LeBron going to be at 37, 38, 39, 40 years old? Um, and, and you don't know if you want to put all that stock because you just did that with Kobe. 
yeah. late into his years, and you let that go on for too long. So if I was the Los Angeles Lakers, I would feel like you know very confident picking up that next club option for Julius Randle. Um, and I feel like I'd go away from Larry Nance if I was building this team and not worrying about value. I would go away from Larry Nance, keeping Randall and keeping Kuzma. But then again, Randall has that value. And if you're going for a rebuild or if you're bringing in a LeBron James, that value then can bring you know other value in you know trading you know a draft pick that you got for Julius Randall and then bringing in a shooter to surround LeBron James. Yeah. So I think it's still murky waters because we don't know exactly how everything's going to play out. Um, but I feel like the Lakers will probably move on from Julius Randle, and I don't know if they will regret it or not because I think Julius Randle's going to be a great player, but then again, I'd rather have LeBron James Yeah, I mean, that, Like you said, who's going to pass upon the opportunity to land the best player in the NBA and potentially another top you know, 20, 25 player? Yeah. It, it's hard to walk away from that. Especially if they get Boogie. I mean, like, it's a top 10. You get well, two top What 10 do you players. think the value is for Julius Randle right now for this Lakers team? Oh, like to the Lakers? Well, yeah, no, like for, to, for, for a trade, ever, uh, to entertain oh, okay. a trade-off. So to the league. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think I you mean, can get back a, a mid can, to late one? You can get a first. You can get a first? You can totally get a first. I mean, if you look at what Ja, I mean, was, ja was not being able to pull, I feel like you're going to be able to pull look, first. Look at the Bledsoe deal. I mean, that kind of sets a benchmark for, for this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so 27-year-old who is already under contract and going to have for two more, uh, two more years. a contract controlled... For very cheap for what he can do yeah, for you, but, with but he Rand- does have the injury But with concerns. Randall, I, I don't think they're trading him this year. I don't think uh, they're going to get rid of him, rid we'll him this year. And I feel like they're going to keep him for that club option. And then that that whole thing's going to come up of we're going to have to resign this guy, and that's going to bring it down his value. Um, I feel like just due to his potential and his physical abilities, mm-hmm. I feel like you can get like a mid first, um, mid one. It might be worth it this year. This but is, like I'm saying, like a late lottery. It's like right, a pro- probably a lotto protected. Of all the years to do it, is this not one of the most loaded draft classes? Is not is now not the time to go in because that way your contracts line up better for when you have people coming contracts due plus mm-hmm. your big free agent pickups. I just I wonder if now is not the time to pull the trigger. You think there's a fit out there for Randall that sticks out in your mind? A fit, like any team out there that's that's clear in your mind. Because you brought up Tristan Thompson looking at the, the Cavs. It's not going to help them defensively. Yeah. But I mean, that's. They, I don't know. What, do you, what don't are the Cavs going to give? They're not going to get the I'm Brooklyn just, pick. I'm just trying to think. No, no. I, I'm not sure where it's. No, what are they, they going to give up? They're not going to give up Don Baker. I just I take out. I'm saying just fit, <laughs> buddy. Just fit. Do you just see any fit, fit out, out there for Tristan? I mean, I think, I think he'd be a great fit for a team like the Wizards, to be honest. Okay. Like, I, I mean, if they could work out some... Uh, the problem is Wizards are trying to shed some awful contracts, yeah. and the Lakers can't take anything on right now. No. So it's a, it's a lose-lose. Um, I don't know I don't know what team that he would line on. I think he's definitely talented. Phoenix? I think, yeah, because Phoenix needs another 4-5. Like, good. they're going to they're, they're gonna go after Ja. There's talks about Craig them Monroe. getting Ja. There's I know. talks about them getting Ja. I know. They're, they're trading Greg Monroe. No, they're going to buy him sense. out. No, they're no, going to no. buy out Greg Monroe. <laughs> Greg Monroe's not going to be his son uh, by Christmas time. He's yeah. going to be homeless. Fair enough. Fair but enough. at least, I, I don't Until know. Until it becomes a cap. Yeah, yeah I, Portland's going to fucking trade for Julius Randle. There's your hot take. I think there, I think there's definitely teams who are interested. I can't oh, think of a, a trade on the line. should be interested. I can't think of a team at the moment, but uh, I definitely think there's going to be value. I think that you're right. I think the range between, you know, 15 to 30, probably late first round, probably the best that they're going to get. Um, maybe the, the question then becomes, I guess, staple that to Dang. To move Dang oh, out of town. Because that instantly swings the one away. But then again, I don't know what away. team could take on Randall and Dang. Dang. That's well, the thing. 
All right, that puts it out there. This is why we're not GMs, and you guys yeah. are going to tell us in the comments how great of GMs you are, and you're going to oh, have yeah. some magic deal for us, so tell us down in the comments what deal the Lakers should look for if they should trade Julius Randle. Also, let us know if they should trade Julius Randle. I am hesitant about it, but I think ultimately they are going to end up because they have two or well, three similar players, and the guy that has the most value is going to be traded because they're not really pulling away from yeah. each other exactly. Um, and you're going to trade the guy with the most value, and that is Julius Randle. But again, let us know what you think down in the comments below. But that's going to wrap up the Fast Break Podcast. Again, check out YouTube tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube tomorrow, the OT edition's coming out. We're talking about best prospects in the upcoming NBA draft. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, you got to wait till uh, I'm not terrible with math, so like Tuesday or Monday uh, <laughs> of next week to watch that OT edition. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, same goes for you. If you are listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate the Fast Break Podcast five stars. Also, check out the Primetime Podcast on Sidekick and Rick and Johnny. Also, rate those five stars if you are so kind. Also, if you are on Blog Talk Radio, definitely give us a shout out on there. I don't think there's a rating system over there, but if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, we I love mean, you. Throw out five stars anyway. We, we love you so yeah. much. And then also check out patreon.com slash Podcast. Christian, Jake, and uh, Pat have all helped us out over there, and you can definitely help us out at that $10 mark if you want, but there's also some cool ones like the $2 mark. You get the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast. But for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.